Well, hey, welcome in to the third episode on the Royal Thread, where we're chasing and weaving Jesus in and out of the scriptures. We haven't got into much of that yet, because I'm laying the groundwork, groundwork for the concepts of the kingdom of God and the covenant of God. And so let's just recap there. He cut a covenant with Abraham in blood. He, he cut carcasses uh, in half, and God came through there in a, a fire pot. And so it's a one-sided agreement. It is not like um, mutual agreements that are cut nowadays. Uh, this is a true one-sided covenant where God promised these three things. Now, now keep in mind, when we're talking about the kingdom of God, you've got to understand that uh, this covenant is crucial to the concept of the kingdom of God. And we've stated that the kingdom of God includes three things. God's people in God's place under God's rule. We'll say those again. God's people in God's place under God's rule. And so here's the fact. You may say, well, kingdom of God does not show up in the Old Testament, and you're 100% correct. But the basic idea is woven through the entirety of Scripture. We first see the kingdom of God in the Garden of Eden. Here, Adam and Eve are living in willing obedience to the world of God and to God's rule. And this kingdom is destroyed by the sin of man. And so the rest of the scriptures, now make, pay attention here, the rest of the scriptures are about the restoration. Think Adam and Eve. Think Abraham. Think Sarah. Think all their children. Think all of their children and all their children and all of their children, which leads us to us. Hence, we sing the song, Father Abraham is Kids. The rest of the Bible is about the restoration of a people to be the willing subjects under the perfect rule of God. And so there are many more episodes in the Bible where the kingdom of God is going to be expressed. And we're going to deal with some of those. We're going to deal with, with three or four of those today. So let's, let's dig into that. And I've mentioned these in an earlier episode and just briefly touched on them. But let's, let's do a little bit more here. So... Um, God's promises, so we're going to deal with the patriarchs. That's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the three fathers of our faith. And so let's deal with that. Genesis, Abraham, God, God's a covenant with Abraham, and God promises the patriarchs. And so if you know your Old Testament, he promises Abraham, and he promises Isaac, and he promises Jacob that he will be their God, and they will be his people in the promised land. So know those are three things. Remember, there's God's people in God's place under his rule, and that's what God was working toward. He promised that they would be under his authority, they would be his people, and they would be in his place. And so if you know your Old Testament, even if you don't, welcome in. You're going to know it by the end of this podcast, that's for sure, not this episode, but all these podcasts. You're going to know your Old Testament better and better. And so the historical process, the, the real process by which the people of God are brought into that takes, brought into that form, brought into that uh, situation, I should say, sorry, takes the form of a redemptive act of God. God redeems Israel when he rescues them out of the captivity of Egypt. Now let's just camp out there just a minute. If you know your Old Testament, Abraham has Isaac, 
Isaac has Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. He has some daughters as well, but he has 12 sons. These 12 sons become known as the 12 tribes as each of those sons have children and the clan grows and grows and grows and grows. And when they find themselves after those patriarchs obviously have died and after Joseph has died, the Israelites, the Hebrew children find themselves in Egypt under a Pharaoh that does not care for them. And so this covenant agreement is threatened by a, a pagan, worldly king who was put in place by God Almighty himself. And so God has to move about, God has to come on the scene and form a, redempt, a redemptive act. And that is essentially getting them out of Egypt and rescuing them across the Red Sea into the wilderness. So that promise to Abraham that you will, I will be your God, your descendants will be my people, and we'll give you a land is threatened. What, what about this land? We had this land, and now we're, now we're over here in Egypt. So you'll notice that first one, it comes under some threat, but God comes through. So the second example I want to give you is Israel's golden age. Now, the golden age of Israel is during the, the period what we call the monarchy. It's when they had one king, earthly king, who ruled their nation. And when one northern and southern kingdoms were united as one nation. So if you recall, remember the, the, the 12 tribes were scattered. They, they, they gave them land. Joshua gave them land when they came into the promised land. Remember, Moses did not get to lead the children into the promised land. So Moses leads them into the promised land and they get certain portions of land. It's an allotment based on the sovereign decree of God, how he would portion it out. And Joshua gave that land out. And so as they lived in that land, and then they eventually got a king, and the first king was Saul, and then David, and then Solomon. What you have to remember is that the political and economic and religious achievement of the kingdom of David and Solomon really fulfills in very tangible ways the promises to Abraham. I'm going to say that again. The promise to Abraham was, you'll be my people in a certain piece of land under my rule, under my kingly authority. And in one sense, that's what David and Solomon did. They unified the kingdom. All the tribes were in one land. All the tribes were together. All the tribes were represented as the people of God. All the tribes got to come before God. And all the tribes were ruled by a king, namely David and Solomon. Now, by no means was it perfect, but it displays all the elements of the kingdom of God. So what I want you to take note of is, is that a pattern is emerging. The revelation of God's kingdom begins with a very basic promise to Abraham and then moves through a process of fulfillment which includes a redemptive experience, that's the, the exodus, which we'll dig into, and it climaxes in a fulfillment of the monarchy, a unified kingdom in a piece of land. And so, um, 
there, there's things that happened that weren't included in the original plan of the three things, God's people in God's place under God's rule. Namely, like nothing was mentioned about a city. Nothing was mentioned about a temple. Nothing was mentioned about a human king. But yet they've all got those same storylines of what we've mentioned, God's people in God's place under God's rule. So that's a unique picture, and I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to spend much more time on that, but I, I want you to see, and I, and I hope you can start to see um, the spiritual ramifications of that, the spiritual implications of these things that are happening. Much like the Israelites were led out of slavery, you've been led out of slavery if you're in Christ. If you are found to be in Christ, you've been led out of slavery. You're dead to sin. And you've, you've come into the kingdom of our Son of God, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So in one sense, exactly what the Israelites had happened to them has happened to you spiritually. They were brought out of the wicked kingdom of Pharaoh and brought into God's united kingdom. You've been brought out of the wicked kingdom of Satan and been united with Christ in his kingdom. Now, as we keep marching through some of the Old Testament story, Solomon's kingdom, if you remember, Solomon's kingdom fails. Solomon had multiple wives. He was disobedient to the Lord, and the kingdom was stripped from him. And so, obviously, Solomon's ways of living fall short of the glory of God's true kingdom. So God pronounces judgment on the kingdom. And so he basically tells Solomon that I will rip the kingdom from you and hand it to someone else. And so after that, after Solomon dies, the kingdom is split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And essentially what you have in this prophetic kingdom are prophets that come along that basically say God is wanting to restore the kingdom. That's essentially what you have with prophets. And so with these prophets, they're, they're exiled to Babylon. So after multiple, 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 multiple lines of kings in the southern and northern kingdom, God sends in Babylon, hauls them off to Babylon, and they're there enslaved for 70 years. And essentially, they return to, to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple and the walls around the temple eventually, around the city. And so the return from the Babylonian exile does not produce the kind of kingdom that was foretold by the prophets. So when Isaiah spoke to the Israelites, when Jeremiah spoke to the Israelites, when Ezekiel spoke to the Israelites... He was, they were wanting them to see what God wanted for them, see the kind of kingdom he wanted them to, hey, you can live under God's rule, you can live under God's authority, God's protection, God's will, but you got to do it God's way. So God's people in God's place under God's rule. And so the return from the exile did not produce the kingdom that was foretold by the prophets. So I'm telling you, that, that right there, there's a great future day coming. Because you should know that what the prophets foretold has not happened. The kind of kingdom that, that God will set up one day has not happened. And so the, the prophets that even came after the exile, like Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, those three prophets, they continue 
We're not going to get into those today, but they continue to direct our eyes and the eyes of Israel away from their present reality to the great future day when the perfect and everlasting kingdom of God will be revealed. So when we come to the close of the Old Testament, the prophets have done one thing for us. Oh, there's something greater coming. So it's the promise and expectation. And so Jews have been waiting, and they're still waiting. They don't see the fulfillment of this kingdom fulfilled in Christ. They, they don't see it. They're still waiting. And so they develop a lot of solutions to this problem. And so what they did, now, now stay with me here, because the Jews could not see Christ in the Old Testament, and they still don't, because they could not see him as the fulfillment of all these promises, as we've already stated in episode 1, 1 Corinthians, they don't see him as the promise fulfiller. So what they did was, by the time Jesus came along, they had created a group of people known as the Pharisees who sought a literal return to the Israelite monarchy. The Pharisees wanted Israel to be its own nation again and have its own king and be ruling and not be ruled by others. Because if you remember, it's God's people in God's place under God's rule. Well, we're not under God's rule if the Romans are in charge. And so the Pharisees set out to free Israel from all foreign oppression. And so that's where we find ourselves when Jesus shows up. Now, I'm going to take about maybe a minute or two here and just deal with the, the kingdom of the gospel because that's where we are. Uh, all the prophets look forward to this kingdom coming. And remember, Mark chapter 1 says the kingdom is near. And so I want to emphatically say the kingdom is near and the kingdom is here. And so Jesus says in Mark 1.14, the time is fulfilled. What time? This time, this time that I'm setting up God's people in God's place under God's rule, this kingdom of God is at hand. And so Jesus introduces the gospel as the bringing near of the kingdom, this kingdom that maybe seemed like impossible to have, impossible to be a part of, especially for the, for the Gentiles. What it means for the kingdom to be at hand rather than fulfilled emerges in the New Testament. It's not fulfilled. It's at hand. It's here. You're going to get to be a part of the kingdom. You can join in on the kingdom if you want. And listen, the gospel call for you, if you're listening today, is you can be a part of this kingdom. I implore you to bow the knee to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises. So this kingdom that's at hand, Jesus is the fulfillment of all those promises, and Jesus has brought it near to us, and it's dear to us that call ourselves Christian. But it, it's not here yet, so to speak, because you live by faith. So at this stage, the fact that God's kingdom will triumph, and that can only be received by faith, is how the New Testament describes it. And so the New Testament, in various places, says that the future consummation of the kingdom where the people of God fully are known by God and by sight, that which they now only have by faith. So when Jesus Christ appears at his second coming, and I can most assuredly tell you he will come again, the saints of God will appear with him and the eternal kingdom will be made plain. That's plainly seen in Scripture. So, so track with me here. I'm going I'm to summarize everything. 
it's now clear to me, at least, it's now clear why the history of redemption is not simply a gradual unfolding of truth. So it's not just a gradual dawning of more light and more light and more light. But it's rather a series of stages in which the kingdom and the way into it are revealed. So in each stage, all the essential ingredients of the kingdom are given expression. Now, if you go, go back again, if you want, remember Abraham, God's people in God's place under God's rule. Remember the monarchy, the United Kingdom, Solomon, David and Solomon, God's people in God's place under God's rule. Jesus comes to earth, God's people in God's place under God's rule. And so he's ruling right now over my heart. He's going to rule over your heart one day. And so it's God's people in God's place under God's rule. And so in each stage, all the ingredients of that kingdom are there. But each successive stage builds on the former until the full revelation of the gospel is achieved. And so as I close here, I want you to look at the several blocks of the revelation of the kingdom of God. Um, remember, the Garden of Eden, kingdom revealed in Israel's history. Remember the kingdom revealed in prophecy, the prophets, and the kingdom revealed in Christ. And so I'm going to build on these blocks because you've got to see the Old Testament for what it is. You've got to see the Old Testament. It's not just, well, that was all the ancient history prior to Jesus coming. Jesus is co-eternal. He's coexistent with the Father. He's been, he's been around from day one, and I don't mean day one as in creation day one. I mean day one as you can't go back that far and count. And so next time we're going to get into a little bit more of these building blocks so we can find Jesus in, in, in all of the scriptures. So until then, have a great day. Who builds a boat? 